good evening, good afternoon. Hopefully too many people didn't load up on the mac and cheese and are uh, halfway to uh, carbo load dreamland, me included. But uh, let's, um, just as a way of introduction, uh, most of my messages come, a lot of times they come from my, uh, well, most of the time they come from my devotions. I was, I was uh, reading through my Bible and I noticed some questions and it just kind of struck to me how often when God's dealing with, you know, every, well, quite often in the scripture when God's dealing with people, there's questions involved from him to them. And it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know why, you know, you notice things as you read through your Bible, how God speaks and how, how you know, what fits your personality. Um, I know for me, a lot of times I, I ask, I try to ask a lot of questions. Sometimes I feel like Columbo, um, just one more question. Um, but actually, that's how, that's how you learn. You don't, you don't ask questions. You don't, you look, I mean, God doesn't ask questions to learn, but that's, that's you know, you've you got to be curious. But so often when we're dealing with people, though, um, whether it's a counseling, a teaching, or even a mediating thing, um, questions are involved. Your opinion, that's most of the point, doesn't matter. A lot, of, a lot of counselors will tell you, you know the answer, you know, even when you deal with pastor. Pastor will ask a lot of questions because deep down you really know the answer or maybe you just need help getting all, you know, all the facts and circumstances out so you can really think through it. Um, and pastor will give good advice, but it's a lot of times it's asking a lot of questions first. Um, and even when you look at you know worldly training and, and you know run by the world, I've been to management training or leadership training, and you know there's there's a lot of questions involved. That doesn't mean you know I've learned a lot of biblical truths at these things. They're not coming from that perspective. They're coming in from the socialist humanist method where. You know, if you just try hard enough, you can be a better person. Well, maybe. Um, but that just because it came from them doesn't mean it's bad. It just means a person who is unregenerate said it. Um, we just have to filter that truth through the Bible. And uh, it's, just, um, it's just interesting. Uh, we, live, we live in dangerous times, so as we, as we have a lot of things, you have to filter everything you read through the Scriptures. I mean, there is so much crazy... Uh, that you read every time. Today, this person says A. Tomorrow, this person says uh, Q in a different language. Uh, so, but and so it's just what do you do? So, before we start, let's pray. Uh, dear Father, I thank you for this today. I thank you for the opportunity to get up and preach. I thank I thank you for. Uh, just how you speak to me when I'm getting ready to preach. And, and so often, uh, the message is often directed at me first. Um, help me to pass along to the people under the sound of my voice uh, just what you've shown me and just help me to present a, a clear uh, representation of what you'd have for them to hear. And Lord, I thank you um, that you you speak to us. Uh, I can't imagine going through the world today and not hearing your voice. I pray that you'll be with those that can't be here, that you help them to recover, uh, and those that uh, are, you know, from illness or surgery or all those things. Help them to be encouraged and help them to get back on their feet. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So the first place we're going to go is Isaiah. There is a lot of overlap between what my father preached this morning and what I'm preaching the after, this afternoon. He read out of a lot of the same passages, so um, I'll come at it from a little bit different angle, but somebody needed to hear those some of these verses more than once, because you did. Um, so Isaiah 40 is, is one of my favorite, well, I have a bunch of favorite chapters in Isaiah, but Isaiah 40 is one of my favorite chapters. And, um, you know, for instance, it's, very, it's, it's obviously prophetic because it's talking about uh, verse, verse 3, talks about uh, John the Baptist, uh, comfort ye, comfort me, uh, my people, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Uh, that's referenced again in John 1 um, and, and Luke 3. And then it talks about all these things in the future. So it's, you know, I, just a little perspective. Isaiah is 100 years before the, the southern kingdom goes into captivity. The northern kingdom is getting there quick. They're in big trouble because... They never had one good king. They had Jehu was the closest, but then he turned from the sin of Ahab and went to the sin of Jeroboam. So, real, real smart there, genius, but whatever. Uh, so he, he turned from one bad, bad guy to another. Uh, so he was the closest maybe they had uh, to a good king. But Isaiah was, you know, the, it's chapter 6, in the year King Uzziah died. So, you know, we know, kind of know where he is. He was also a prophet under Hezekiah. He had a ministry that was pretty long. And so he's one of the major prophets. Pastor's talking about the minor prophets on Wednesday night when he comes back. This is one of the major ones. But in chapter 40, um, uh, verse 28, and there's all kinds of questions. So what I want to focus on is questions. Uh, verse 28, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? that the everlasting God, the, ever, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, uh, neither is weary. Um, obviously, the answer to that question is no. He doesn't faint, but have you not heard? There is no searching his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So what I wanted to focus on is just the questions. God asked them a question. And it wasn't a question that they didn't know the answer to. This is not where he's going to the people of Assyria like Jonah was supposed to. This is going to the children of Israel who, who have had some measure of scripture for a long time. They, they know what to do. So they're very similar to most of the people here. You know, you know the answer to that question. I know the answer to that question. Um, for, for, for some of us, it's from a, from, a holy, from a child that has learned the holy scriptures. And for some of you, it's you've learned them recently, but you still know them. So we know the answer to that question. Um, so when you, read, when you read the Bible, do you look at why, why stuff is phrased the way it is? Why does God deal us with us this way? I don't do it enough. Too many oft, oftentimes I'll read, I'll read what, I, what I'm scheduled to read and I'll get to the end and say, hmm, if we're going to get anything out of this, we've got to go back and do it over again. I don't know about you, but 
Um, that's too often the case. Um, but the, in this passage, this question is asked to his current audience, obviously the people Isaiah was speaking to, those in captivity in Babylon 100 years later and those today. Um, and again, as I already said, the good portion of the Old Testament was already in the past. You know, Genesis through First and Second, First and Second Samuel were in in his past. First Kings was in his past. Um, we're dealing with the last hundred years of the of the of before they go into captivity. So, um, if you look if you look at if you look at the world, the world does the same thing. Um, the questions in the repeating. If you look, you know, don't like to, uh, world, famous world leaders have said, or infamous, repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, people will believe it. You can look that up for yourself. Who said it? Um, but that is so true. Look at today. It doesn't matter which channel or side you watch. Repeat a lie loud enough and long enough people will believe it. Or they'll be so confused they don't know which end is up, which is, I think, where we are today. Um, you know, we all need those reminders of what does God... Let's focus on what God is doing. God is the one who can give us that strength. And we all need that reminder of... And a lot of these questions that, you know, I'm going to go through, I'm not, it's, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's things that we all need to think about. Hey, did you forget that I'm the one who can take care of this? Did you forget that I'm the one who doesn't get tired, who doesn't, who doesn't get confused? I'm so glad that he doesn't. Or, you know, it doesn't go on vacation. Maybe he's taking a nap, in the words of Elijah. Um, he doesn't do that. Um, you know, we all need to be reminded of those questions. So one of those things is God, God doesn't get tired. God, God gives us strength. Why did he ask the question? Because he wanted us to remember, hey, I'm, I'm, I just, just so you know, I'm still doing this. And I think for us as humans, we need to be, sometimes questions provoke a thought. If it's just a statement, we don't think all the way through, at least I don't. But if I'm asked a question, I'll think through progressively, what is the answer to that, even if I know it, if I'm, if I'm with it. Um, but I'm going to go through some other questions today that just, just that I came across in no particular order, but these are just as I was going throughout the last couple of weeks or I was reading my Bible. Let's go to Psalms 42. So that first question is we need to be reminded of his power and our, his willingness to help on our behalf so we can focus on God and take our eyes off what's going on around us. Go to Psalms 42. I think, I don't remember who it was. I don't remember who it was, but somebody preached on out of this passage in the not-too-distant past. Uh, let's go to verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for... For I shall pray, yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So let's talk about his face, like we heard about this morning. Verse 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. 
and my God. That is the only difference between, that last phrase is the only difference between this and verse 5. Then go to 43.5. Should be halfway, you know, down in my Bible. It's another little bit down the page. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, who is the help of my countenance and my God. So obviously, if you're reading your Bible chronologically, you know in a you know you're reading 42 and 43 together, maybe you need that question: Why art thou cast down? Why is your countenance not what it needs to be? Kind of piggyback on this morning's message. Why why do you look like the rest of everybody around here, who's either mad at the world or just wandering around going, I don't know what to do. And there's plenty of both. Um, we need to be different. Um, why art thou cast down? But it's mentioned, that same verse, that same question is mentioned three times in a very short time. Almost like when, you're, when, you're, like when you wake up little kids. You don't wake a little kid up who's in dreamland by just touching them. At least my kids. You got to like, hey, time to wake up. Hey, time to wake up. Hey, time to wake up. And if it's school, it's take them out, pick them up, and let them go and see if they catch themselves. <laughs> hey, it's time to get up. They're awake. But the, to me, this is almost like, hey, wake up. Hey, wake. Why art thou cast down? Why you know you know when you when you have somebody. Why are you doing this? You, with little kids, you do the same thing. Why are you, stop, why are you doing, why, why, why? Oh, you mean, why was I doing that? Same thing here. Why are you cast down? So let's look at 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 9. Verse. So this is a reason, so I'm going to give you a reason why you shouldn't be. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Uh, keep in contact, you know, if you read the whole chapter, um, this is talking about, you know, a little bit further down, it's some of the things that God reveals to Christians. Um, and then if you look at like verse 14 and 15, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of the Lord, for they are foolishness unto him. Right now, Christians are foolish to the world, for sure. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. There's the refutation to judge not that you be not judged. Well, that is true, if you're wicked. If you're righteous, you can judge. Now, if you're righteous, you won't hold it over somebody's head. But you're supposed to if you're righteous. Yet he is judged himself of no man. Does that mean you're above the law if you're righteous and you're judged of no man? No. That means because you took care of it first before you opened your big mouth. You didn't point out the beam in somebody else's eye or the stick in somebody else's eye and you had a, you had a uh, you know, truss sticking out of your eye. That's, that's, why, that's why that works. If you're unregenerate, yeah, there's some things that you shouldn't do. But that's, so that is why we shouldn't be cast down. Because there are things that God's going to show us that he's not going to show everybody else. Because they're not his kids. 
there's things my children know about us that nobody else knows, not even people in this church, not people I've known for a long time. Why? Because they're my kids. They know. Um, what, but what's, what the application is that, why shouldn't you be cast down? Because God loves us, and we have things prepared for us. Um, as with all of these questions, the question does not, is not, it's not an unknowable answer. It's not, how is time travel possible? In your finite brain, time travel is not possible. I don't under, in, well, how does eternity work? I don't know. It takes faith to believe eternity. Because we are temporal beings. We're, we're bound by our watches. I have no clue how eternity works. But we are in a seven to maybe 10,000 year period on this earth where this is the only time where time matters because before it said in the beginning, that was eternity going, was going that way forever. And then we have this little space like on the platform where time really matters. And then we go, then when time stops, then we go that way forever. How does that work? I don't know. You have to figure it out when you get to heaven. Um, but this, that's not, this isn't one of those questions. Um, but he had asked the question three times. Just to say, hey, wake up. Why are you worried about it? And I think in today's world, we need to, hey, wake up. I, I need it. Trust me, this message is just as much to me as it is to anybody else in this room. You know, you get exposed to enough of the world these days, you won't question your sanity You'll just give up on your sanity. I mean, just, I'm sorry, but there is a whole boatload of angry and confused people out there, and they're hard to deal with. Hopefully, you don't join the party. Um, so, we need to focus on God's power to fix our countenance over and over and over again. That's something you have to do daily. You know, it says in the New Testament, washing with the water by the word. The world is full of bad things, you know, through just, with, and it's not even the overtly wicked, you know, pornography and, for, and all of the other things that this world throws on TV. Just the world is full of bad things. Somebody dying at 22 years old, that's a bad thing. You know, that's, that's an evil thing. Evil does not mean necessarily sin. Evil is just... It's awful. Cancer is evil. Um, but so then, so that's so. The first question is: We need to be reminded of His power, and then we need to focus on His power. Then the third thing: Go to Isaiah 50. This is one of the verse. This is one of the passages. I think that we talked about this morning. And I've got them written down, but I am turning so that we turn there at the same time. Let's look at verses, verse 2 is where I want to focus. But um, this is another question, but not a question I'm going to focus on. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away, or of which my creditors is to have I have sold you? This is obviously not a, hey, good job, guys. Um, behold, 
your iniquities have ye sold yourselves. And for your transgressions is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, there was none to answer. Well, it's because if you read verse 1, things weren't so great around the house. Um, is my hand shortened it all that it cannot redeem? Or have, or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea, because there is no uh, dry up the sea. I make rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh, because there is no water, and dieth for thirst. Now that was a question, again, directed to a people that were in sin, who were, if, it's, if, you take, if it was prophetic, it was people who were in captivity. In the modern day, when Isaiah wrote this, it was people who were going to go into captivity fairly quickly. Manasseh was probably their king by now. And, you know, Manasseh, if Hezekiah didn't get his wish, would have never been born. So think about that for a little while. If God hadn't given him Hezekiah 15 more years, Manasseh would have never been born. And immediately after, Manasseh, after Hezekiah dies and one of the greatest kings of Israel, his son is a total reprobate. God knew that his son Manasseh was going to be a reprobate. But sometimes the answer that you get might be the answer to your prayer, but it's not what God wants to give you. Not anywhere in the notes. Um, is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Uh, again, this is, a, this is a rhetorical question, but it's a question. Is my hand shortened? Did I suddenly get T-Rex arms? No. Um, but, you know, this, this, of all my points, this is the one that gives me the most hope for, for those who are lost and for those who are saved. For those who are lost, um, you say, well, I've done some pretty bad stuff. Join the club. You know, um, I know what I, the unregenerate me is capable of. I know what the saved me is capable of. I can't imagine the unsaved me who doesn't have the Holy Spirit who occasionally breaks through and says, hey, stop. I, I know what I would be. I would probably be in, you know, nobody would want to be around me. Um, but let's go to Psalms 40. So you say, well, I'm lost. I've done some bad things. You know what? You've done some bad things that because of your sin, you will never get into heaven. That is true. That's true for everybody who is going to heaven. Um, let's go to 40. Let's go to, let's go to verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. You know, this is part of Satan's lie, that you've messed up your life so bad, God's never going to take you. Where does it say that in the Bible? Find it for me. The only person who ever... Satan is the, the accuser of the brethren. The Bible is not the accuser of the brethren. Satan is trying to destroy 
everybody on this earth, saved or lost. He is not your friend. He's lying when he says, you, you've messed up your life so bad that you can't get saved. Well, that is true. You have messed up your life where if you were relying on you, you can't get saved. That is true. But you cannot take God out of the equation. If you take God out of the equation, if God is out of the equation on this earth, uh, time to go home now. I won't even finish. Um, but when you, when you take God out of the equation or leave God in the equation, you do have a hope of salvation for the lost. Uh, for the saved, Satan gives us the same lie. You are such an idiot. You know, you are so wicked and vile in all of those things that he likes to say about us. He's right. And if you don't think those things apply to you, well, let's go to First uh, John. So we have an answer for that too. First John eight. Now this, I've I was taught that this was part of you know the Romans road, so to speak. But this is not. This is talking about after salvation. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Seriously, you think you don't sin? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We all sin. That's part, that's the, you know, until we get to heaven, we have to fight this every day and lose too many times. Not, that, not to lose, that's not the goal, but it's going to happen. But you have to, to, to stop that. You have to go to verse 9. Um, and I love how the scripture is like, hey, you, just in case you, you were wondering if this really meant you. No, no, I'm talking to you. Uh, so often in scripture, or so often we get, oh, that doesn't really apply to me. And then it says, no, if you think this doesn't mean you, it means you. Because, you know, when, you, when, you, when, I, when I, where my children were younger, we would say, okay, these certain things. And then it'd be like, but I don't. Well, I didn't say all four of you did or didn't. I just said, I want all four of you to do. And, oh, by the way, now that you've opened your mouth, you're the one I had in mind while we're having this meeting. But, so, thank you for, I was trying to keep it private. But thank you. You know, when you, when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, which one's yelled the loudest? The one you hit. And that is, goes for us as adults. It does not, oh, that's just kids. No, it's adults. The people who throw the biggest temper tantrum are the one who have the problem. They just don't want to deal with it. Or when I yell the loudest and have the temper tantrum. Let's go there. Um, let's go to one more place. So you have sin. Let's go to one more place. Psalms 51. You had to know I was going there when I was talking about sin. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Verse 51, verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. That's how we have to see our sin. And until we do, we're just going to keep doing it. 
there's going to be things that we won't be able to give up until that's how we see it, me included. Um, so for this, so for this question of why are, um, so for this question of uh, is my arm, is my hand shortened that I cannot save? The answer is no. In God, his hand is not shortened that it cannot save in both salvation and daily living. In salvation, that's the most important step. If you don't get that one, the rest of this message is absolutely pointless. Absolutely pointless. Um, but he also gives us power for daily living because left to my own devices, I am going to choose the path of least resistance and end up like everybody else. I'm going to be like the world, but I'm going to be more miserable because I know better. They don't know better. It's like we can yell at a dog for eating, eating out of the litter pan. That's what dogs do. He's still going to get in trouble at my house for eating out of the litter pan. But why did the dog do that? Because he's a dog. The same thing with everybody out there. They're going to do certain things because they don't have the Holy Spirit. That's just how lost people act. That doesn't mean I have to invite them into my home to carry out those acts. But that's what they do. You know, birds fly, fish swim, and unregenerate people sin. That's what they do. Um, again, that was not anywhere in the notes. But uh, let's go to let's, one more question. Genesis 3. Genesis 3. And Pastor covered this one on Wednesday night, a couple Wednesday nights ago. Before, I think it was the second, you know, I don't know, Wednesday night or Sunday morning, I can't remember. Um, 3 verse 9, and this is obviously after Adam and Eve have sinned. And, they, and you know, let's go to verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking, oh, Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. How does that work? You know, I just... What did the garden look like? Have you ever thought about that? Well, it's gone now. The flood destroyed it. But anyway, and uh, random thoughts with David. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God said, called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now this was not, where are you guys? You know, it's like when you're with your friends or, or you're, you know, you're looking for your kids and they, you can't find one of them. Where are you? And you really don't know. This is God. He knows where they are. He knows they're behind that tree. And if he wanted to, he could make it disappear, spectacularly or not. But why did he ask that question? Um, well, he wanted them to kind of face themselves and think, like the unshackled thing. Hey, what did you guys do? Why, why are you hiding? What's going on, guys? Let's, let's talk. We do this every day at 4.30 or 5 o'clock. Where are you? Why are you hiding? And so often, just the question, whether to yourself or to somebody else, will make you stop and think, why did I do that? You know, uh, why are you doing that? But in this case, this was a more of a, hey, stop, I know, what's I know what's going on. I want you to admit it out loud. You know, that's part of the, 
part of the, I think part of the reason why questions are so often in Scripture. If you don't, if you just don't, if you look at a fact and you don't ask a question, and me, for me, this is me talking, um, I won't, I won't assimilate it into my life. How does that work? You know, like when I learn something new at work, or you know, or the government changes something in the IRS. If I don't know why or have an idea, it's much harder to implement it. But if I have an idea as to why or what's, what we're, what's trying to be accomplished, it's much easier. God's doing them the same thing. He's trying to help them get, on the, get back on the straight and narrow here. But, you know, Luke, Luke 2, uh, Luke 12, 2, I'll just read it. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. He was just giving them an opportunity to confess. That's all he was trying to do. And what did they do? Um, it was the snake's fault. It was my wife's fault. It was my husband's fault. It was, you know, the only person they didn't verbally blame was God. I'm surprised they didn't do that. But God, if you hadn't put the tree in there, we wouldn't have eaten it. But that's what they did in the garden. They said, well, they, yeah. Just like kids, we're, the, we're no different. Um, so why did God ask them this question? Just to get them to do it and to confess. So, so often, sometimes that's the reason for some of the questions in Scripture I know for me. Why are you doing this? Well, because I think it's a good idea is never the answer that comes to my lips. It's usually because, well, I made a mistake or whatever. I sinned. So why, does, why did God ask that question? To give them an opportunity to confess. Uh, let's go to one more. And I've heard this particular question, maybe not verbally or audibly, but sometimes it seems kind of loud. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, this is just after Elijah had called down fire from heaven and evaporated a sacrifice, and I did the math on the gallons of water. It was a lot. That's a scientific term. But it was, they said how many baths of water, which, it was a lot of water. But then, then Elijah goes from Mount Carmel to Jezreel, 20 miles, and then from Jezreel to Beersheba, another 100 miles. So he's gone like almost 400 miles. So this, this is one of the classic ones. Verse 9, And he came thither to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? It's like, hey, what, what's going on, guy? And, and then he goes into his excuse but then what I want you to look at is verse 12. So God says, okay, go in the cave. I'm going to talk to you. And then he says, where's, where's my voice? And, and then, and, uh, let's see, go, verse 11. Go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rock before the Lord. But the rock, the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. 
But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was. When Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? I've heard that question more than once. Um, so, so, so for Elijah, Elijah is not in gross sin here. He's not, he has not violated one of the Ten Commandments by being in this cave. He's not. He has not killed anybody. He's not uh, mis, uh, laid, lied about anybody. He's not stolen. He's not committed fornication. He's not dishonored his parents. He's not taken the name of the Lord God in vain. He's just not where he's supposed to be. And I know for me, I've heard this question in the still small voice, what are you doing here? And if you're all paying attention, you've all heard that question. Maybe not Elijah. The only one in this church who can say that is Elijah. He's the only one. We only have one in this church. Is Elijah or Elisha? Sha. Sorry. I, was, I got that even wrong. Sorry, buddy. Um, but I've heard, what are you doing here, David? And there's quite a, all of you, if you are being honest, have heard that question. What are you doing here? Um, but, you know, with, with the audible voice, I'm glad he didn't speak to him out of all of those things because God doesn't speak to us out of earthquakes and fire and all those things anymore uses his word and his Holy Spirit. Now, you do have to be careful. Um, go to Titus 4. You do have to be careful just relying on your conscience. And the, and the, whole, and the still small voice. Because... Uh, Wait a minute, there is no Titus. How about 1 Timothy 4? I couldn't read my own abbreviation. If you can find a Titus 4, show me, please. 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, then in the latter times shall some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, their own having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. If you ignore God's still small voice long enough, you won't be able to hear it. And that's that's also that applies lost or saved. If you if God will, it says in Genesis, I will not always strive with man. God's not going to beg you forever. He may ask some of you, he may point something out to some of you ten times. He may point out that same thing out to somebody else once, and that's the last time you're ever going to hear about it. I don't know what that is. So we have to get it taken care of while he's still speaking to us. Um, you won't be able to. So that's why I say you can't rely on your conscience, because you can turn that off. You can turn it off. So what's another, what are you doing here? The question is not because you're in gross sin necessarily, but, or, you know, one of the named sins in the Bible, but it's probably the sin of, are you sure that's a good idea? You know, sometimes as spouses, your, your spouse will say, are you sure? Husbands will say it to wives, wives will say it to husbands. 
it's not necessarily wrong, but it's not necessarily right. And then God will say, God will sometimes say, are you sure about that? Uh, that, that, that may or may not be a, the best idea you've had. Oh, I think it's a good idea. Okay. And then you're off into the underbrush, and then you're going to spend the next two years fixing your are you sure situation. Um, another one quickly, and I know time is, time is but it's the, what are you doing here? That's one that I've, I know I've heard more than once. Um, another one quickly is John 21. John 21. John 21, 15 through 17. I won't read it for the sake of time. But in there, Jesus asks Peter three times, Peter, lovest thou me? And then what's his response? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus knew whether Peter loved him or not. Jesus also wanted to remind Peter, hey, I know what you did. But also, I think he wanted to give Peter the formula for recovery in feed my lambs, take care of those who can't take care of themselves, feed my sheep, help, even help those who aren't as vulnerable, and then feed my sheep again. But Sheep are not the most intelligent animals. I don't know if you've ever been around sheep. They're not the brightest. Well, we're called sheep all the time. We're not called pigs or cows. We're, we're, we're analogous to sheep in the Bible. Um, how do you overcome some, how do you prove your love to God? Helping, helping those around you, especially of those of the household of faith. That's in another part. But you working for other people, will help you show your love to God and reinforce your love to God. I don't have time. There's, there's a lot more. I've, I've covered five or six questions in the Bible. Um, but there is so many more. You know, there's, Jesus asks questions all the time. Like my, Some of my favorites were with the Pharisees. The baptism of John, was it from earth or from heaven? And he says, well, that's, why don't you tell me? Uh, <laughs> Because they knew the answer. Um, and then Jesus, and this is always for the people who don't believe you should pay taxes. Uh, Jesus, Matthew twenty two twenty, 20, uh, whose face is on the coin. Jesus, they know whose face is on the coin. It's Caesar's. But he says, okay, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render unto the God the things that are God. Well, I've heard, I've heard, and I haven't heard it in a while, paying taxes to an, uh, a secular government is unscriptural. No, it's not. You're supposed to pay taxes. You're breaking the law if you don't. Just pay your taxes. I don't like writing checks four times a year. I hate it. But you know what? It beats the alternative of not making money. So deal with it. Um, Saul. Saul, when he was on the road to Damascus, he was asked three times, Saul, Saul, why persecute us not? Well, he wasn't asked three times. He reiterated the story three times. In Acts 9, when it happened, in Acts 22, and in Acts 26. And then some of the other one, you know, Job. In Job chapters 38 through 41, we're not going to go there. I could preach for forever. But how does God answer? You know, chapter 38 starts out with, and God answered Job and doesn't give one answer for three chapters. 
four chapters. Uh, sorry, I'm an accountant, but they got to do math on my fingers. Um, God says, God answered Job, and then he asks him a bunch of questions for four, for four chapters. Can you imagine just, and I'll be done, but can you imagine getting, and it's almost like, hey, you know, uh, Leviathan? Yeah, I made him, and I can tell him what to do. You know, the snow that comes down? Yeah, I, I, I tell it when to come down. Oh, I get it. And that's what Job did at the chapter 42, and Job worshipped. That's what he did at the end. So a part of, for those, there's so many reasons, so many questions. The Gospels are full of questions that are rhetorical in nature. Sometimes, and I love the one, uh, brethren, have you any meat? Jesus, anytime Jesus asks the question, it's not me going from the living room, hey, do we have any milk? He already knows how much, if they have any meat. He's asking for their benefit. You know, Romans, uh, whatsoever written was time was written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. That's the one good thing that WMHR has done. They made 20, 30, 40 years, 35 years ago, whatever is, Gordon Bell would read something and he would read that verse every day. I know that verse and when I was Timothy's age and Titus's age, I was like, yeah, these through patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Well, not, guess what? I'm not Timothy and Titus's age anymore. And there's days through patience and the comfort of the scriptures, I need hope. Um, but, so the point is of all these questions, God doesn't ask them for him. He knows. He's not like us. He asks them for us. Is my hand shortened that it can, you know, you know, you know, have ye not heard that I don't sleep? Hey, have you heard this stuff before? He said, yeah, I can do that. Um, and my arm is not shortened that it cannot save. Um, where are you? You know, sometimes there might be people in here that God's saying, where are you in this? Why are you, why are you, what are you doing here? Why are you in, why are you wallowing in whatever nonsense you're seeing on Facebook or CNN or whatever? Hey, you go down that rabbit hole, nothing can pull you out except Jesus Christ. Why are you focusing on that? Um, but then, do you love me? So, so just some questions. That's all. Just some questions. It's nothing, nothing that no, we haven't heard before. But if you've been, you know, there's, there's the, the scripture in the, in, the, in the Bible is full of truth that's timeless. But it's nothing nothing earth-shattering in the fact that we haven't heard it before. If you wrap your brain about around it, yes, it is earth-shattering that God, the holy, righteous God, would come down from heaven, which is perfect, to this mess and say, I want to save those people. I've never looked at a sewer and said, I want to pull a mouse out of that sewer. I've said, you know what, buddy? You're on your own, pal. But we are, inf we are way lower on God, in God's economy than a mouse in a sewer. We're way below that. And he said, I want to die for those people. So just remember those questions. God's hand, is my hand, is my hand short, shortened, shortened that I cannot save? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then Dad's going to come up and give an invitation. But Father, I thank you uh, for your goodness to us. I thank you that you ask us questions. You don't just... 
force feed us information. You don't tell it. You, you make us think about things. And yes, you tell us things. But Lord, you also allow us to think about them. And help us to do that. Help us not to just stumble through life. Lord, just give us uh, a good afternoon and help us to focus on you. In your name I pray. Amen.